We are looking at episode 99, season 5, episode seven, uh, 17, <laughs> fuck, episode 99, which is season 5, episode 17, Burns' Air. 99, the number of loft balloons in that one song. Exactly. About loft balloons? Exactly. That's why I called that figure out. And then the entirely unremarkable non-milestone episode, season 5, episode 18, Sweet Seymour Sinners, Skinners, <laughs> Sibilance, Badass. Slithery, snaky, sexy little song. Okay, good. That's the name of that episode, I, I think. I believe so. I, it's not going to be like Bird Gets Hurt by Kurt, though, because I'm not going to be able to remember the series of words I did. Um, uh, okay, yeah. Burns' Air. Burns' Air, a episode that I think is very good. I agree that this episode is good. Uh, it starts off with Homer winning the employee raffle. Well, before that, we have the oh. couch. I want to talk about the couch gag Please very do. briefly. Uh, even though it does require me finding something very specific. Okay, on my phone. Okay, so... You got it? The opening scene, uh, the couch gag, is them all being bounced around like basketballs. Sure. And I was sitting here thinking, that's a really nice basketball sound effect. And then, whenever I think about basketball, I think about one of my favourite lines ever from a book, from uh, Thomas Pynchon's Vineland. So I'm going to read that specific line out to you now. (laughs) Here we go. Prairie, re-entering non-movie space... Felt like a basketball after a Lakers game. Alive, resilient, still pressurised his spirit, yet with a distinct memory of having been, for a few hours, expertly bounced. That is lovely. There's a fucking good line. Welcome to Pods in the Key of Pynchon. <laughs> Pynchon's in the Key of Springfield. I'm just going to lean over and grab little bits of your skin now. <laughs> just going to get a little pinchy. Uh, so uh, tonight we'll be talking on. about the crying of Lot 49. I've got more, but uh, okay, we'll do that. Yeah. And then I'll segue back to yeah, this. Yeah, maybe too fat to frog, but at least I ain't too slim to swim. Too fat to fuck. <laughs> no, too fat to frog, oh. but at least I'm not too slim to swim. This is a thing from the Crying of, of 49. What kind of Dr. Seuss fuckwit is this guy? <laughs> um, Dr. Be- Seuss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man. In the Book of Inherent Vice, which was made into a film by P.T. Anderson, there's a scene where the main character sits down to watch on his TV... A uh, a Godzilla spinoff called Godzilla's Island. That is just the people of uh, Gilligan's Island needing to deal with Godzilla. I've put and I think away. about that every week. <clears throat> that is very very good. Uh, that was P.T. Anderson. Uh, P.T. Anderson was the director. Was the director, right? Of yeah, Thomas okay. Pynchon's the adaptation of Thomas Pynchon's Inherent Vice. It must be difficult for P.T. Ampersand to get recognised because <laughs> people just think that he's introducing something else. <laughs> yes, and yes. <laughs> Um, what I was going to say about basketballs, so you mentioned it was a nice basketball noise, is that correct? Yes. Do you know the recording technique for doing basketball foley in movies? I don't. So they were putting mics, uh, there there was some specific movie that did this, one of the early basketball movies, I guess. Space Jam. Space Jam. Uh, They couldn't get the sound of the bounce right because they were getting, they had the mics at ground level to get the thwack. Of the ball bouncing, but it wasn't giving it wasn't giving the full spectrum of sound they wanted. What they eventually shut up. What they eventually ended up doing was placing a mic at the top of the height of the bounce, 
because that's where you get that ringy like of the air moving around inside the ball. And then you combine those two sounds together and you got yourself a bounce, baby. I think I've heard of... Was that for like White Man Can't Jump or something? It might have been for that movie. Okay. It might have been for that the movie. The movie where Woody Harrelson can't make the jump he's meant to make at the end of the film so it just sort of like stops mid-frame. Yeah. Hmm. What? I don't know. It's yeah. fine. Everything's fine. Wait. What... Is it like is it like a rooftop escape chase and he's got to leap from building to building? I don't building? know. Because the way you made it sound did not sound like a basketball game. I gotta blow my nose. All right, I might just mute. I might just mute for a Please moment. Please do. All right, I I didn't really actually. I I flubbed the muting on the first go. You flubbed the muting. I flubbed it. Uh, so now I have to leave it in. Industrial chimney sweep. Uh, yes, industrial oh. chimney sweep. Thank you, PlayStation. Oh, thank you, PlayStation. Uh, uh, PlayStation <laughs> applauding the fact that we're back on track. Uh, industrial <laughs> chimney sweep. Uh, Homer gets encased in some brush-like material and gets plunged into a big smokestack Victorian England-style chimney. Yes, he now, does. it's not one of the two main cooling towers that we see on every establishing shot of the power plant. It is these tall brick smokestacks billowing out black smoke indeed here's my question james yes those chimneys have never been present in a plant shot before interesting did they install them just (laughs) to give homer an unpleasant experience for an afternoon i mean it seems to be implied at the very least that the plant is intentionally going out of its way to make working there unpleasant yeah and there's the whole thing about, you know, Homer saying, well, the guys at the top are working even harder, baby. And then Mr. Burns is sitting in a bar thinking potato chips. It's capitalism. It's all about capitalism. The thing I enjoy about those potato chips is that once upon a time, it would have seemed... Because the, the bag says... Because as you know, I'm a, I'm a snack watcher. Yeah, you're a chipperman. I'm a chipperman. Um, uh, yeah, remember, remember, remember the halcyon days of that early episode where there was the bag of snacks that just said salt? Yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, oh, memories of times time's gone by. But no, the, the bag says extra fancy potato chips. And I feel like once upon a time, that would have seemed like a very extravagant thing. Whereas now I look at it and go, well, he's just it's got... a real product. He's yeah. just got kettle chips. Oh, he's got those like particularly fancy kettle chips. They're like the camembert and fig. Yeah, it is astonishing that like the kettle came out and everyone went, these are a bit fancy, aren't they? And then they were like, Yo, you, you think plain salt is fancy? Check this out. <laughs> this flavor is wallpaper and regret. Like just <laughs> these impossible combinations of things. The thing is like Red Rock's been running the game on kettle for a while as well, I think. Uh, I judge, I rank my chips according to their salt and vinegar. Yeah. Because that's my favorite flavor. Uh, Red Rock is my second favorite salt and vinegar. Your Smith's. favorite would be Smith's, yeah. yeah. you got to go fairly plain for a, for a salt and vinegar, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, the Red Rock and the Kettle Salt and Vinegar both have the same issue, which if you sit down and eat a full-size bag in one sitting, which I do from time I to mean, time. I mean, we are who we are. Why wouldn't we? Um, your tongue does end up chemically burned from how acidic the chips are. <laughs> well, um, Red Rock also does that, like, shallot and champagne vinaigrette chip. Yes, and that's, that's fucking good. wonderful. That is good. It's a good chip. I like chips. And this is a good episode of The Simpsons. The Chipsons. Now, towards the start where Burns' life is flashing before his eyes, we get a glimpse at Wavy Gravy. Here's a character who is out uh, sabotaging Greenpeace, apparently. I feel like there's enough material here for a spin-off series about the adventures of Wavy Gravy. I'd sign up for that Patreon. Yeah. So, uh, I guess if the Simpsons want to start a Patreon, 
now in the year 2019 for their wavy gravy <laughs> spin-off. We're both on board. Um, was a question though, was was Byrne saying uh, the man you knew is not wavy gravy as in that's his name, or is it just an adjective for like not what you th- not what you th- thought? Oh, I've always assumed it was a name. So did I until this viewing, and then I went because if he said you know uh, the man that you thought was not all cromulent. You wouldn't go, well, his name's Cromulent. Yeah, sure. But Wavy Gravy would be a very... So you think Wavy Gravy might be a description of a man? It might be a descriptor. Huh, interesting. What would it mean? Um, um, someone who's just... I, I think it goes along with the lines of going with the flow. Flowing okay. flowing like a viscous gravy. Sure. As mm. viscous uh, gravy tends to do. Exactly. Yep. You've got that gravy fountain set up in the kitchen. I took a chocolate fountain and I repurposed it. Yes. For something a little more savoury. Yeah. We've been dipping all of our uh, deli meats in there. I was wondering what you were going to say. <laughs> I sort of on deli meats. I don't know. I think I could have done better. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure deli meats. I did not one. get a lot of sleep last night and we are recording several episodes today. So this should be good. God. There is a possibility that I might die. Good. <clears throat> Jesus. Okay. Well, uh, why are people always wishing my death? I think about the scene where Burns reveals to Smithers that his plan is when he dies to bury Smithers with him yes. a lot. Sure. Something about that scene has always haunted me. Possibly the idea of being buried alive. Who can say? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be great, I imagine. Did you ever see that Ryan Reynolds film, Buried, about the guy who was buried? No. Yeah, well, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, excellent. A snake heard... gets in the box at one point. He's like, oh, oh, bloody hell, there's a snake in the box. I mean, look, if you've, oh, if, blimey. if you've been buried alive, I think a snake in the box is low on the priority list of things to give a shit about. But then he turns to the camera and says, it's me, Deadpool. I'm Deadpool right now, baby. Oh. And then he uh, then he just sort of like gets out of the box because he's Deadpool, you know, does he's Ryan mysterious. Reynolds, does Ryan Reynolds do that in all of his films now? He did it in all films prior to Deadpool as well. You That's go back curious. and you watch uh, go Waiting, on. that oh. film where he worked in a uh, he worked in some sort of fast food place. He's like serving burgers. Oh. Like, oh, by the way, it's me, Deadpool. I'm Deadpool. Uh. This is a movie. Yeah, okay. Do you know that Deadpool knows he's in a movie? Oh, I mean, doesn't every actor know that they're in a movie? <laughs> Deadpool is indeed the actor yes. we are talking about. Yeah, exactly. Actually, James, I think you find it's Deadpool's monster. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> a joke for no one. Um, <laughs> Buzz the Kids Springfield jokes for no one. <laughs> jokes for no one. <laughs> that could be the name of the vinyl album we put out. <laughs> why, why is it vinyl? Why wouldn't is it be? Is that just to irritate me? <laughs> Nobody's going to buy the CD. Nobody's buying the James and Nick version of Eat Your Peas, the Martin Malloy album from the 90s. We can barely get people to download this thing. Of course no one's (laughs) buying a CD. That's true. Jesus. Um, So Bernsey realises he needs an heir. And to acquire one, he advertises in cinemas. And that's weird, right? It's fucking weird, man. (laughs) Um, Especially because he says auditions will be at my place tomorrow. (laughs) So, So this... This ad only played once in his one cinema? Yeah, and he just assumed that that was going to get a big enough reach. And somehow it did. But, like, there must be some word of mouth there. But it wasn't even, if I remember correctly, I didn't make a note about this, but it wasn't even a blockbuster film. It was Siskel and Ebert, the movie. (laughs) Was it? Yeah, and it had the review of Two Thumbs Up, Siskel and Ebert. Oh, I didn't notice the sign gag. Yeah, sign gag on the intro um, to the cinema. And... 
I don't think that is appointment viewing. I don't think the whole town's going to rush out and go, better see this on opening day. I mean, I go to the movies quite often, and you know, the ads before movies are always the the cars, cars that I can't afford, renovations for the kitchen I don't own. Sure. Uh, hey, you need some new outdoor furniture? No, no, I don't. The Telstra shop, there's an ad for like the local Telstra shop, which yeah. is a Australian phone chain for any American listeners. That place so that I've seen so many times that I once saw the manager Question. of that Telstra eating dinner at a restaurant. I'm looking, I'm like, where do I know that guy from? <laughs> That's fun. Um, question. Yes. In the same way that you can refer to Telstra as a phone chain, does that mean Lego is a blockchain? <laughs> oh, I guess so. <laughs> uh, and Duplo is a clumsy blockchain. <laughs> They're all clumsy blockchains. They are all How clumsy. are your cryptocurrencies going, by the way? <laughs> yeah. So, what? what I've, I've forgotten how much my initial investment was. Was it 50 and then I put in an additional 25. Does that sound yeah, right that to you? Yeah, that sounds about right. It's down to about 12. Oh, no. So that's not great. Okay, well, at least you destroyed the environment in the process. Yeah, yeah. From the... <laughs> Always an upside. Uh, yeah, so at least I've destroyed the environment, which means I hopefully won't have to live with this regret too much longer. <laughs> Mr. Burns uh, saying about the air getting access to his vast, vast, vast fortunes. Yes. Vast, vast. That fourth vast, or vast, as he says, that's one of those little weird Simpsons ruin my life, oh. repeating motifs in my life. Yes. The fourth vast. Yes, 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 the fourth one. Yes. Yeah, and it's interesting because it breaks the well-established rule of three. Yeah. But in a delightful way. The rule of three is regarding the word vast, or yes. vast. Yeah. I have I'd, a hard time saying vast. I'd say vast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'd put my flowers in a vast. Would you? Yes. Would you say a vast mateys three times? I might. Okay, good. If I say a vast mateys three times, does a vast matey appear? (laughs) (laughs) Only if you're looking in a mirror, I think. Oh, sweet. Well, luckily I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You don't own any mirrors. Um, No. You are not aware of your own appearance. Smashed them all. Um, Wait, quick thing about the Let's All Go to the Lobby song. Sure. Which... Uh, I feel like that's one of those things that gets referenced a lot, and it's actually like a not particularly good bit. Um, (laughs) But thinking about, because, you know, as we mentioned several times now, when you sit down with a pen and paper, which I recommend listeners, sit down with a pen and paper and watch a random episode of The Simpsons. have you ever tried a pen and paper? Oh. No, just sit down with a pen and paper and watch, uh, uh, observe the way in which it changes you watching the episode, because it's crazy. Um, But it seems to me... Like having a jingle that says, let's all leave the place that we're in and go get some other stuff just before the movie plays is insane. Well, it's all about maximizing profits. Most money's made in cinemas. Almost money is made from the candies. I know that it's, I know that that's the case, but like you've paid your ticket, you go in there, it's the final thing, presumably, before the movie starts, and they say, hey, you know the starting five or six minutes, you don't need to see them. Go get yourself a chalk top. The ads tend to say there's still time to get to the candy bar uh. over here in Australia. Thing is, the weird thing about the candy bar at the cinema is that I feel like, like inflation kind of caught up to those prices. Yeah, <laughs> like right. They're still pricey, but it's not like, oh, get to fuck. Speaking of get to fuck, uh, in the next scene where all the kids are auditioning to be Burns' air. Phrase is coming up a lot today. When, uh... On and off the air. When Milhouse auditioned and Burnsy says, I specifically said no geeks and 
Millhouse says, but my mum says I'm cool. Yeah. I believe your exact words were something along the lines of get to fuck. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, I'm just sick of hearing people reference that line. You're encountering it on every Tinder bio? Yeah. It, well, am I? Are I you? I don't know. I haven't been on Tinder for a long time. No, it's but, a nightmare side. Oh, it's the worst. Burn Ed down. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those lines I'm sick of hearing. Especially from like, you know... People who objectively meet whatever test of being quote unquote cool just trying to use it to be self effacing. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. sorry, was that a Cartman impression? <laughs> I don't know. That was the sound of someone taking a shit, I think. Screw you guys, I'm going home to my mum who says I'm cool. Yeah, sure, why not? <clears throat> All right. You remember I'm... Cartman? Your favourite character from the T V show South Park? I, I, do I have a Cartman? <laughs> Okay, I'm cutting that. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. That was awful. I might even just censor it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, please. I, I just don't think people should hear that. <laughs> I think if you if you leave... Yeah. It's not even that it was a bad impression. I just don't want it in the episode. No, as soon as I started doing it, I'm like, why am I doing a Cartman impression? This is bullshit. In this year 2019. Oh, here's something. I, speaking of revelations from the year 2019, you, yes. may have, you may have seen this on my Facebook the other day, but I realized something. Uh, I couldn't believe it. So the Sydney 2000 Olympics yeah. works on a couple of levels because oh, it was in yeah. Sydney and in the year 2000, but also the postcode slash zip code for you Americans for Sydney is 2000. So it's like Sydney 2000 in Sydney 2000. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> I mean, that was 19 years ago today that Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. I've only just realised it, though. So, you know. It's pretty And good. from what I've... The feedback I've received from posting that on Facebook is that not many other people have realised <laughs> it either. Not a lot of people so, know that. Not a lot of people know that. So I'm sad that I won't be here for the Clarence Gardens Olympics in 5039. Um, sure. We were discussing that joke. Uh, some people that I work with were discussing that joke with me yesterday and they were like oh but you don't live in Clarence Gardens and I'm like I know but it's yeah. just it's just the funniest suburb and then they started listing suburbs that have a specific reputation well why didn't you say Elizabeth why didn't you say Norwood and I'm like because they all have specific <laughs> fucking reputations and I wanted a funny suburb name that's not tied to any and then they're yeah, like and oh, why would you know the pass the no the postcode for uh, Elizabeth I almost said the passcode the passcode <laughs> That you need to say to get in. Why wouldn't you know Elizabeth's pin? Um, but, uh, yeah, and I'm just standing there going, no, Clarence Gardens is the right choice for this joke. Leave me alone. First, I'm really looking forward to the Beverly Hills Olympics in 90210. Very good. Yes. Very, very good. I really, I've always really enjoyed the little fantasy March house in this episode. I'm looking forward to the Jenny Olympics in 8675309. Oh, <laughs> Shit. Yes, very good. <laughs> Uh, where Marge has the little fantasy of Bart becoming rich, and then Lee Majors coming along to take oh. her away. Who Hello, is... Marge. I'm Lee Majors. He who... was the $6 million man, I think. Oh, okay. Or so... maybe that was... I think that might have been the actor who plays Steve Austin. Um, that's something I have not looked into. I just think that's who that might be. Lee Majors, born Harvey Lee Yeary, April 23, 1939, is an American film, television, and voice actor. Best known for portraying the characters of Heath Barkley in The Big Valley, Colonel Steve Austin in the American 
television science fiction action series The Six Million Dollar Man yep. and Cult Seavers in the American television action series The Fall Guy. Cult Seavers. I'm assuming that The Fall Guy is a documentary about someone who only lives in autumn. <laughs> Sure, why not? Excellent. Yeah, autumn. We just had the hottest autumn day on record yesterday here in Adelaide. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess autumn just doesn't really exist anymore. We just don't get autumn. Uh, as far as I know, autumn has been cancelled. Which is very unfortunate for Autumn Chickless, the daughter of uh, Michael Chickless, the actor. <sighs> All right. <laughs> who's Michael Chickless? And who's his daughter, Autumn? Uh, Michael Chickless was the uh, lead of The Shield and The Comish. Come you on. might know him from one episode of Seinfeld. Come on, come on. Who's the daughter, Autumn? You know that one episode of Seinfeld where they go to that party, like, upstate, and Jerry says, well, if you're ever in town, drop by, and then he pops around the next day and just wants to hang out all day? That was Michael Chickless. Michael his Chickless. daughter is Autumn Chickless, right. who played his daughter on The Shield. She wasn't very good. Sorry, Autumn Chickless. I'm um, sure whatever you're doing now, you're doing an okay job at it. Possibly sure. a great job. I don't know. Don't mean to cast aspersions on Michael Chickless or Autumn Chickless. Michael Chickless can beat the shit out of me. So the butt-kicking machine, Yes. when Bart fails his audition, and Burns has the two big cranks, one to lower it and then one to wind it up. Two big cranks, often a title for this podcast. <laughs> two little dickheads, two big cranks. <laughs> um, uh, the That system feels... Like an uncharted level to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I really wanted Burns to like fall at some point during cranking, and then Smithers would go drink, and I would have laughed. He's got to climb up a water wheel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just it's like you know improbable series of turning cranking. Oh, Eventually, you end up on the roof pulling down a like a trapeze. At, at what? Point? At which point you get into the vault only to find that the enemies are already in there somehow. They found a back entrance. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, we just blew a hole in the fucking wall. At what point did you tweet that photo, by the way? Which one? I don't know. I just got a notification that you've tweeted at some point very recently. Oh, during the during the episode. During recording. the watching. Okay, yeah. cool. So I'm the only one checking Twitter during the actual recording. <laughs> yeah. Shot myself <laughs> in the foot there. Um, yes, no, I think I've mentioned that before on this podcast, actually, about how it always annoys me with Uncharted that the, the things Drake does to get into rooms are typically irreversible operations, right? Yeah. They involve, like, flooding an area so that things float and this Going, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And then you get in there and there's, like, a hundred dudes. <laughs> and then there's just, yeah, like you say, yeah. there's just a back end. <laughs> we smashed down one wall and we're in. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, so the, now, the Simpsons children failed to become Burns' heirs in this initial, this initial audition. And Homer says to them, Kids, you tried your best and you failed miserably. The lesson is never try. I mean... Now, this feels like something people have taken with some level of sincerity as like an actual life lesson to to live with. Yeah, I have feel that too. And is it just the kind of... Is it people embracing the concept that it's okay to fail or do people actually just not try things anymore? I feel like never try is the main takeaway because mm. if it's okay to fail, you still should try. Mm. Mm. See, yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, do you think that perhaps people should try to do things? I think people should fail at things. Sure. And should try beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can get on board. I'm a big advocate for failure. I am a failure myself, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> as you have witnessed in your house. Um, how uh, How do you think um, 
No, edit that out because I have nowhere for that to actually go. <laughs> I was I was going to ask how do you think Yoda feels about <laughs> trying? Oh my God, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute, I've already how done does Yoda Car- feel about trying. And then I'm like, I've already done <laughs> Cartman. Why would we do Yoda as well? God, I was reading some description on the uh, Adelaide Fringe website yesterday for some like geek comedy show. And the last line was like, as Yoda might say, and then some Yoda bullshit. Like, I got no time for this. Mm. You watch Empire Strikes Back, he doesn't even talk that strangely. No. He just will occasionally, well, you don't know, but he'll just occasionally reverse a word. Mm. Or, you know, he's like he's like a weird old crank in that film as well. Like, he's been living on fucking Dagobah for like 30 years. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. Dagobah? Yeah, that's the name the of the planet. The Dagobah is coming and everybody's <laughs> jumping. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and but then they show him in like you know the other films, and he's you know reversing all his words and talking weird. It's like, come on, he's part of a society. We're living in a society. We are here, living in a society. I've got a comment, but it's too far down the line. <laughs> the um, now this is this is an unusual thing for me where I haven't said this episode fucks in my notes. I said it's very good, but there is one line in this episode that I think fucks. Is the episode very good at fucking? No. Okay, just checking. Because <laughs> that would be weird. I mean, there's some stuff to get into there. Sure. But uh, when the when Bart throws the rock through Burns' window... Which one's Bart? He's, he's the little boy. Oh, okay. He wears the little shorts and he runs around. I see. <laughs> Which one's Bart? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I... I've had so little sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like almost a sensible question to me at this point. <laughs> I just think it's worthwhile checking in. <coughs> yeah, he always says, oh, I'm Bart. That's how I, you know he's Bart. I want to start treating this podcast like a high school debating team, and we're going to start defining our terms. <laughs> and then really you'll, drilling down. And then you'll make your point, and I'll be able to rebut it in 30 <laughs> seconds. Now, when, um, when he throws the rock through the window, and Ben says something like, it looks, man, there's a bird has become petrified and lost his sense of direction. That is very, very it's good. It's very funny. Yes. Um, I know you don't like them, I just point out things that I think are funny. But I know, that line's I, very I, good. I find it hard to deal with. But it, it's interesting <laughs> because typically Burns goes for um, an antiquated, out-of-style way of talking. Whereas this is just a very simple, basic miscomprehension. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, I enjoy that turn. I think later on they start getting it. They start going too far, and Burns just simply doesn't understand anything to do with reality, which I don't actually think is very Burnsy. Sure. But I enjoy that his his go to assumption here is so off the wall. Yes, I enjoy that. It is good, and I like it. It is good. And I feel like one thing we have learned as a society, maybe since this episode came out, is uh, look. If an old man wants to spend a lot of time with your kid, don't let him. Don't let him. Don't let him. No. It's a, don't do it. No. It's a bad idea. I don't know if this is the episode that taught us that, but I feel like that's a <laughs> yeah. fairly ingrained lesson at this point. Um, question. Yeah. When Burns sticks his head out of the window when Bart's doing all the destruction, yes. did you want to talk about the, any of Bart's destruction? No. I thought you were going to have some theory about how in the economic downturn, it was up <laughs> the to the... economic downturn. The economic downturn. It was up to the 
rebellious youth to uh, to to overthrow the capitalist overlords. Once again, I've had very little sleep. That is a good theory, though. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> except the weird part is, as soon as he starts successfully overthrowing it, he then abandons his previous life to join the one percent. Yes. So he you becomes know, a member of the bourgeoisie. He does become a member of the bourgeoisie. Um, man, I'm sick of people using bougie as an adjective. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You're saying that that's bad and bougie? Uh, no, just trying to remember what my point was. Oh, when he looks out of the window and he says, You there! What day is it? <laughs> I'm Mr. Burns! And then the kid says, Oh, it's Christmas nature! Is it? Because otherwise, that kid needs help. But here's the thing that's even stranger. A couple of days later, when Bart gets given the Ferrari and says, I can't mm. drive, what does he drive through? He drives through Santa's Christ- Christmas sort of village. Christmas land, yeah. This is a Christmas episode that only makes two <laughs> passing references to Christmas. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, that's weird that this thing is here. That this little urchin boy thinks that it's Christmas. And, and I then... guess Bart does get showered in gifts in this episode. Yeah, showered in them. Yeah. Um, and so I just find, because, you know, normally, if it is a Christmas episode, that's the entire focal point of the episode um, for the same reason that if it's uh, an episode near a lake the lake is the point of what, what am I talking about? But <laughs> of what? but the Christmas thing <laughs> has the Simpsons pulled a sneaky peeks on us? this is a sneaky Christmas episode uh, okay is there any Christmas word that sounds like peaks that we can weave I, mean, I was in thinking there? sneaky trees but that's not as good because you know Christmas tree you oh. need the yeah, that's yeah. a good point. You need the you need the other uh, adjective. The modifier. So, yeah, you, yeah. Need, you need the modifier. Yeah. yeah, and don't let it dangle. No, I won't. Don't let it dangle, James. No, I'm not going to let it dangle. Um, for anyone that doesn't know the the linguistic phrase "dangling modifier," that was a weird interaction. <laughs> um, uh, 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 what's cri- I'm trying to think of the word Christmas in other languages, and I'm getting nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure this is worth spending a lot of time on. So yeah, let's really yeah, yeah. Dig, dig deep. Well, I think we just settle on sneaky trees. Sneaky Navidad. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Sneaky Navidad. <laughs> so we find out in this episode that Burns has a network of cameras set up all over town, and that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, that's a bit full on, isn't it? I mean, these days when our phones sitting on the table right now are spying on us basically all the time. All the time. I mean, it's maybe not that unusual. Although, you know, there's that you know, the movie The Dark Knight where he builds that whole network to use people's phones to spy on them to catch the Joker. Sure. And then uh, Lucius Fox, oh, I want no part of this, Mr. Wayne, I'm Lucius Fox. And Batman's like, okay, press the big red button when you're done. It'll blow up, baby. So, you know, that's, I guess they stole that. From, oh, sorry, I'm Batman. Yeah, I guess okay. they stole that from this episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, that's a pretty good um, Batman impression you just did. Yeah, well... As I've said before, I genuinely believe that everybody, if they can, should do the Bartman. Yes, that's true. Uh, I don't remember the steps of how to do it. But Shake man, your body. What is it? Shake it out if you can, can. Shake it out if you can, can. I feel like the the song is very unclear on the actual specific moves involved in doing the Bartman. Um, as, as I believe I mentioned in our Do the Bartman episode, yes. I think that doing the Bartman is more of a philosophy than a specific dance. Did you? Speaking of phones that are spying on us all the time, I imagine that you heard about the the uh, FaceTime bug that they had to scramble to fix. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that extreme. That was bad. And the thing is, like, from my understanding of it, was that you could only get the the uh, camera and microphone of someone else's phone to activate if you started a group chat and then added yourself to that group chat while the call was ringing. Hmm. That, that was the hack of how to do it. But who thought about trying that? 
to see. Well, it was like a random, like it just sort of happened for this person, I think, and then mm, they sort of I had was, to try to recreate. Well, I, okay, so then they may have accidentally added themselves to a group chat, but uh, uh, what a thing! What a thing to do! What a thing! And it's one of those things where I go, "How is it possible that in the coding of these?" programs how is it possible that that is an acceptable situation in which to turn on the microphone and start mm. broadcasting almost like it's intentionally built in for some sort of nefarious purpose some dun, sort of uh, dun, dun, maybe some sort of colossus figure is uh, ooh, guiding events actually I think it was on an iPhone 5c it wasn't just play along <laughs> and what does the C stand for uh, let, wait oh. let me have a think it okay. could stand for like uh, cute like it's a small phone or crappy yeah. you know it's a cardboard maybe it's wait a minute 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 yeah wait a minute colossus colossal no it stood for iphone 5 color because they were the ones that had the colored bodies oh okay yeah okay good oh thanks for clearing that up i yeah. was genuinely curious yeah no that's fine um can I ask? So, well, can I raise some points about the document that Burns makes Homer sign? Sure. So, and in your legal uh, opinion, yes, I'm putting my legal hat on, my wig. Um, so, good because the hat you were wearing was very offensive. How does he take it off? It's, it said some words. Yeah. The uh, so Burns makes Homer sign. How do you want to make America? <laughs> <laughs> I make American grapes again. <laughs> Jesus. I just think we need American grapes. Perfect. Um, uh, oh, uh, like um, uh, 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 Zinfandel, I think, is an American grape breed. Used to make <laughs> what? wine. <laughs> you just have that ready to go. I think. I think it's Zinfandel. Zinfandel. Uh, the second one, Zillophone. Zillophone. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, the so Burn says right sign here, and then. I own your son. He's mine now, baby. Oh, that's, but that's not what he says. He says, no. sign here, and your son stands to inherit all of my worldly riches, or something along those lines. Yes. Now, here's a little lesson for everyone. The process by which you uh, distribute your assets after you die, mm. that document is called a will. Yes. In that document, Homer does not need to sign it. Mr. Burns and two independent adult witnesses need to sign it. Ah, interesting. The fact that Homer signs it might actually, if he's signing as a witness, that might actually invalidate the will entirely. Really? I'm not entirely clear on this because I haven't done several hours of research, but the basic principle is, if you stand to benefit from a will, you Mm. should not be a witness to it. Bart isn't the one witnessing it. But he's also under the age of 18, which means Homer is his legal guardian. Sure. I wouldn't recommend that someone who is the legal guardian of someone who is to inherit under a will, I would not recommend that they sign it. This document makes no sense unless it is a contract to hand over Bart to Mr. Burns, which is not how it's initially framed, but what turns out to be later on. But if that's the case, those should be adoption papers. And then you would have to do... Not a private document drawn up by Mr. Burns, but something a little bit more formal and government register based. Is it possible that Burns, knowing all of this, never truly intends to give Bart his fortune? That is what I think. I think Burns purposely set up a series of false documents. And here's where it starts to get really sinister, James. You know when they're sitting at the dinner table and he says, oh, you've run out of whatever it was that you were drinking. I'll get you some more. Yeah. Hits the button and then Bart gets clamped into the chair. Yes. 
He gets clamped. And then Burns like, oh, sorry, wrong button. That was a test. Okay. Because those clamps, there was a mouth clamp and two arm clamps. Yes. They were set to the dimensions of a 10-year-old boy. An adult sitting in that chair would not have been restrained by those clamps in the same way that Bart was. The The mouth strap would well, not... Well, they'd be killed, basically, would, wouldn't they? Yeah, it would yeah. not have got around... Burns was testing to see whether his trap to get Bart over uh, to his house um, under the pretense of maybe one day you'll inherit my estate, which he won't because the documents are all bullshit, and then he tested this little entrapment thing. I'm not sure what he was planning. But here's where it starts to get even creepier. The person who deprograms Bart as it turns out, he got the wrong guy and it's Hans Molman. But the person who comes along to deprogram Bart to get him back into the loving arms of Homer and Marge, he too is a decoy placed there by Burns to trick Homer and Marge. How do we know he's a decoy? He has much paler skin than everyone else. He's one of Colossus's toothpasty terrors, the name that we have given to the minion folk that Colossus reigns over. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the skin color of certain characters in this episode. Do you notice anything about Hans Moleman in this episode? Uh, he's he's very caramel colored. He is, or uh, for our American listeners, caramel. He is. He's you know typically he is like a he has brown skin in yes. the show. Do you notice anything that happens to Hans by the end of the episode? Oh wait. In the final scene, his did skin he... is a bright yellow, the same color as the rest of the family. Did he yellow up? He did. Or was he always blacking up? I don't think so. I Fuck, think... that's a much more uh, no. Uh, I think he. Nefarious. I think. I don't. I think somehow this toothpasty terror, this colossus uh, tulpa figure, has tulpa somehow taken something from Hans in this transaction. Hang on, run me past that one more time. I'm not sure of the specifics here, <laughs> but I know that Hans undergoes a transformation during this episode. Right. It isn't simply that he is reprogrammed, I think, although he does start to take on the characteristics of Bart. His skin changes color. His that's skin not changes a color. normal thing to happen during a deprogramming. Is there some chemical thing that's been happening to him? Well, it's possible or that is he's this had like his... A, is this like a Peppy the Pew thing? Maybe, here's an angle we haven't explored. He could have had his melatonin sucked right out of him, I don't know. Um, here's, here's, a, uh, here's a weird angle. Sure. Have, we, have we ever tested to see that maybe the, the shower heads in the Simpsons house just have like some weird chemical residue that turns everyone yellow? Have we ever tested the shower heads? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, frankly, why? Huh. Um, I mean, look, I'm probably grasping at straws there. I'm grasping on straws Just to know, just to know you are there You are there I tried to think of a word that rhymed with straws And man, there aren't many that I want to sing Uh, yeah, I mean doors, floors, pause Just to know all your flaws Hold Hold me in your arms, don't let me go Now my skin's gone yellow Closer each day, a moment away (laughs) Fucking... (laughs) Not think, even worth explaining what that was. I think your tiredness is running off onto me. I, the last thing, the last note I have, James, this note has its own page. MC, fuck, MC, fuck. Is that your, is that your DJ name? No, that's Michael Caine's DJ name. I'm say fuck, and I'm here to say. <laughs> I've got a bunch of notes, so I've. Uh... That was was it? 
What? Hang on. <laughs> I guess that was Michael Caine as a DJ. It was, my, but it was Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine, and I'm yeah. here to say that's more like it because otherwise, I'm Michael Caine. Otherwise, it was Michael Caine if he was from Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, Michael Caine. I'm here to say uh, I've got to go about things in a Birmingham way. <laughs> Great. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, something you pointed out to me much earlier in the episode when they are looking at everyone through these cameras. Oh yeah. Homer is eating flowers in an unknown bathroom. A bathroom that does not exist within the Simpsons' house. An unidentified flying bathroom. A UFB. <clears throat> and this is not the first... Oh, it is the first, but it's the first of two instances where the geography of the Simpsons' house changes subtly in this episode. It does. Because later on, when Lisa is tearing the wallpaper off in the sitting room... Uh, there's a couch missing, there's a bookcase missing, there's a painting where there usually wouldn't be a painting. There's, I don't know what's going on here. You know, depending on... I feel like the deprogramming guy has really gotten his claws into the family. De- somehow. Depending on uh, what purpose you need the bathroom for, you could refer to the bathroom as the sitting room. You could. Hmm. If you need to be sitting and shedding. <laughs> God damn it. Sitting and shitting. I actually the just ni- heard our subscriber count go down. The, the 19th <laughs> album by Dolly Parton. Um, okay. Yes, no, the geography does change. We don't know what bathroom. Is that... Is there, is there the possibility of a Simpsons bathroom that we never we haven't seen? I don't think so. A, how many bathrooms do they have? Just the one. I think they just have the one. Oh, they've got an ensuite. They've got an ensuite, but yeah. I don't think it's the ensuite either. There's no, there's no need for a third bathroom. You know what Surely. one of my favourite parts of the Brady Bunch movie is? There's the part where, like, one of the characters is... Where, when they all decide they hate the Bradys. Yeah. One of the characters in the street's like, You know, I've been to that house on several occasions. and I've never once seen a toilet. <laughs> Nine people, no toilet. How does that work? Well, Dave. <laughs> Papa. Ah. <laughs> uh. Bart develops Stockholm Syndrome very fast in this. Well, I guess it's like a Stockholm sort of syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's Springfield Syndrome. He really, yeah, he falls. He's all in on Bernsey pretty fast. He's like, this fucking old man, this old man is my papa. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love this old freaky fuck. Bart looks up at Mr. Burns and says, Papa? (laughs) Papa? Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, Homer comes to the Burns Manor to try to get his little boy back, his little buddy boy. Burns Manor, yeah. And he he drives up. And in this episode, we have the famous deleted scene. Oh, the robotic Richard Simmons. Yeah, the scene we get is Burns locks the door and Homer says, he locked the door. And then he prank calls, you know, he prank rings him and runs off. The cutscene unleashes a robotic Richard Simmons Mm. that rhythmically gyrates towards Homer and then gets shot in the face and repairs like the Terminator and it yes. gets pretty wild. Which scene is funnier? Okay. I put it to you. I've, I've contemplated that. That I quite like the door just getting locked. The door getting locked is funnier with the context that the original idea was this outlandish robotic Richard Simmons joke. <laughs> sure. Because I feel like if the door just got locked, if that was my only frame of reference, I'd go, oh, I expected something bigger or meaner. And then when you see, because it's in the 138th episode spectacular where we see the robotic Richard Simmons. I believe Simmons, so, yes. I think, which is episode number four. 
Yeah, they reference it on that album as uh, songs in the key. Of, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, it's so hard to keep uh, all these facts in the air. Yeah, it's um, on that cartoon by that guy Matt uh, Gra- Groaning, Groaning, yes. Growling, Matt yeah. Growling, Matt Growling. <laughs> um, That's the name of his dog. Yes, uh, oh. I'm Matt Growling. Ruff, ruff, ruff. <laughs> Fuck, imagine. No, mutt, mutt growling. <laughs> mutt growling. <laughs> uh, can we do that? Can that oh. be like a cartoon that we make? Oh, maybe. I, for, a you, a mug for a moment, I thought you were going to say, Nick, can we get a dog? I'm like, what the fuck commitment is this? We're going to get a pod dog. <laughs> Actually, I don't I, see why not. I do kind of want a pod dog. Uh, I'm pretty sure our listenership would go up if we had a dog. Which I guess would live here with you. I guess so, but my house isn't heaps dog friendly. No, I guess it's not. I guess it's not. You've got that balcony you can jump off. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't... This is the pod much. I, I feel like if that's your approach to, to doggy care... Hey, cool, a balcony that it can jump off. I feel like I'm not prepared to go halvesies in a dog with you, in a pod dog. Well, I guess... Anyway. Uh... I guess much growling will just uh, have to stay at the pound then. I've just had a sudden wave of fear come over me that um, one of our listeners, probably Sam, is going to go out and buy a dog, <laughs> name it Mutt Growling, and then send us a photo. <laughs> Prove me wrong, Sam. Real possibility. Prove me wrong. Um, what the I'm fuck still was... holding out for someone to get a uh, tattoo based on us. Oh, God. Oh, that's that's not going to happen. Sure. I feel like there's a twenty percent chance of Elliot from uh, the Simpsons Index eventually getting a tattoo based on this podcast. It's a very strategic. Elliot, you've been called out. Yeah, I was about to say you've <laughs> you've very strategically clanged that name on the floor. Um, what in the living fuck was I about to say? I feel like what I is a... Orange Julius? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I had a point that I was leading up to. Okay, well, I'm going to Google Orange Julius while you try to figure out your point. Isn't that when uh, Roman leader Caesar had a shitty fake tan? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I assume it's just a... Uh... Et tu, Brutus. Well, your fake tan shit, isn't it, Caesar? Et tu, Justus. Ju- <laughs> Orange Julius is an American chain of fruit drink beverage stores. Okay. It's just an orange juice place. By the way. How to make an orange Julius recipe. Just get a fucking orange, you daft fuck. (laughs) Alright. Get to fuck. I don't know why I'm going all in on a Scottish lingo today. Get to fuck. Um, The, oh god, now I've got so many uh, thoughts swirling around my head. What was I talking, oh yeah, Sorry. Uh, I think I already made my point clear anyway, that I think knowing that the Robotic, the Robotic, knowing that Robotnik, Dr. Robotnik and Richard Simmons both hit the cutting room floor makes the simplicity of the door locking funnier to me. Sure. Um, to you, Nick, your name is Nick. Yes. And in relation to the Orange Julius, I enjoy how quickly Skinner ratchets up from is there an orange Julius on the stand no but you can buy this one it's mostly sorry I'll sell you this one it's mostly full well I might as well drink out of the toilet no and then he does buying a mostly full beverage off an idiot is (laughs) is miles away from drinking out of a toilet Uh, what toilets are you drinking out of typically ones that are full of orange Julius (laughs) oh good okay Uh, I'm looking at my notes and thinking I should skip over some of these probably because I really would like to go into the next episode. We still need to talk about Michael Caine. Should we get a goldfish and call it Orange Julius? <laughs> should we? It'll be our podfish. <laughs> what do you have to say, Orange Julius? Glub glob. <laughs> glub glob. When we see the, the fake Simpson family yes. uh, that Mr. Burns has hired, yes. 
We'll talk about the Michael Caine guy in a moment. Michael Caine. But isn't it weird that, you know, you, you got the Marge and you got the Homer and they sound nothing like Homer and Marge. Because usually Homer sounds like, do, 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 I'm Homer, I'm an idiot. Yeah. But this guy is more like, do, 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 I'm Homer, I'm an idiot. Yes. Baby. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, And then Marge is like, mm, I don't think that's a good idea, I'm Marge. And then this Marge is like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. See, doesn't even say I'm Marge. See, I've always, yeah, neither of them uh, flagged their self-identity as often yep. as they should. And yet, the Estonian little person who Bard earlier hits with his car, yes, and let's just ignore the whole weird, you know. Oh, is that the same one? I assume so. I assume, yeah. Interesting. How many Estonian little people are living in Springfield? Yeah. But huh. the Estonian little person is very clearly voiced believe, by Yardley Smith. I believe the correct Australian terminology is short stature person. Is it? I think so. Okay. I think so. I might be wrong on that. But, okay. I didn't um, realize we had a different terminology here for. Yeah. Language uh, is fluid across national yes borders. Yes, it is. Um, uh, yes, but uh, yeah, very clearly voiced by Yardley Smith, you say. Yes. But did she. Because she says, mm, I'm Lisa. And that's her line. Huh. Yeah. Wait. Is Yardley the one that. Yes, no. Yardley is the one that does Lisa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which one's Bart? <laughs> He's the little boy. Okay, <laughs> he's got the slingshot. He's this century's Dennis the Menace. Oh, this century's Dennis the Menace. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, uh, you want to talk about Michael Caine? Uh, I didn't. I, I just got excited when I realised that it was <laughs> Michael Caine. Yeah, because I was like, wow, it's almost as though for ninety-nine episodes, the references to Michael Caine that, Michael I, Caine. that I've been dropping have finally be- borne fruit. And that this guy kind of looks and sounds like Michael Caine. Kind of looks and sounds like him. And I was happy that um, the who, whoever did the voice of uh, Michael Caine uh, did an even worse impression than me. So that made me feel good. <laughs> well, I mean. Well. <laughs> uh, my last note here is that it's implied that Lenny dies in this episode. So Lenny's dead now. Lenny's dead he now. He falls down that pitch. And Smithers tells Mr. Burns when he drops down the pit to try to land on Leonard's corpse. So he's dead. Carcass. Carcass. Funny word. Yes. Uh, season 5, episode 18. Sweet Seymour Skinner's sexy, sibilant, slithering... St- I love the sexy slither of a lady snake song. I love the badass song of a sweet Seymour Skinner. Oh, yeah. That would, uh, yeah. <laughs> it would have been good if I just did the words that are in the title. <laughs> Yeah, so this is episode 100 of a little scene American sitcom The Simpsons. So it starts with a bunch of um, old home movies that yep. they're watching projected onto the fridge, which has to be the weirdest way to watch it. The fridge has a bright green door. Find a wall or something. <laughs> but anyway, or hang a well, sheet. It's hang hard to sheet. know where the walls are in this house, you know. They're constantly shifting and melting and changing. That's a very good point. Mm. Um, I went to write that it was a nice. And then forgot the word I want. And so I've written nice, uh, old-timey sadness. <laughs> old-timey sadness. Can you help me with the word I want? Nostalgia. Fuck. You're looking for nostalgia. Fuck. Yes, I was looking for nostalgia. I completely forgot that word. Yeah, from the Greek, uh, Aljos and, uh, what is the other part of it? Nosferatu. I think it's just Nostra, which means homecoming, and then Aljos, which, you know, is to miss your home, essentially. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, sometimes described as the pain of an old wound in Mad Men, but that's not a completely accurate... No. I literally wrote an article about this yesterday. <laughs> this is why... <laughs> that, is a, my mind. that is a fucking wild ca- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cataclysmic coincidence. 
Hey, uh, Nick, why did you use the word cataclysmic there to try and get some word points back for forgetting nostalgia? <laughs> Alright, well, I'll cross out nice old-timey sadness. <laughs> now, are you aware of this film yesterday that's coming out? That no. I genuinely believe we need to do an episode on when it comes out. <laughs> okay, I'm happy for that. Tell okay, me it's about a it. film, it's directed by Danny Boyle, and it's written by the guy who did Love Actually, and it's set in this, uh, this world where there's like a power cut one night, and a guy gets hit by a car, and somehow this confluence of events leads to a world where he is the only one who remembers the songs of the Beatles. Is this going to turn out to be like Sucker Punch, where the world of the stop movie, comparing everything to Sucker Punch? Where the world watch other movies. <laughs> the world the movie set in is not actually the real world because how does one guy getting hit by a car knock out everyone else's memory? Well, it's uh, it's it saves his memory, I think, getting hit by the car at this exact moment where the power goes out around the world. But anyway, right. in this movie, he's the only one that remembers the music of the Beatles, which means he just sings these songs and presents them as his own. And becomes like the most popular musician in the world, which doesn't make any sense at all. Which no. is why I'm kind of keen to see this movie because it sounds fucking ridiculous. Because you know what a huge part of the Beatles' success was the, <laughs> the era that they came up in. A, the era they were in. B, the marketability of their four very separate, distinct personalities. <laughs> and C, the era that they were in. Yeah. And it's established in this trailer, by the way, that Coldplay still exists as a band. So like. Music didn't change that dramatically, which has me thinking. I really hope there's a scene in this movie where he starts playing uh, with a little help from my friends, mm. which is played at the start of this episode, and somebody says, oh, it's the theme song from The Wonder Years. Nice. <laughs> that is my one hope for this movie, is that somehow if a song got covered somewhere, the cover still exists. Yeah, no, because totally. Because, I mean, Joe Cocker does a very famous version of With a Little Help from My Friends. People are like, oh, sweet, this this... Car accident guys covering Joe Cocker now. Yeah. Or like. And the trailer, like, it shows him he's playing like yesterday to a group of people and like, where'd you come up with that? Holy shit, what a great song. Like, yesterday's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's yeah. not that unbelievable that some guy could just come up with yesterday. Well, Love he... was such an easy word to say. But that was yesterday. Now today's not yesterday. <laughs> Just how I believe that song goes. Um, I hope that there, and I don't expect there will be, but I hope, I don't know, because if he remembers all the songs, there won't be. Somebody made a great tweet about uh, the idea that he starts a concert and just immediately goes down and plays Obla D, Obla Da without building up years of goodwill beforehand. Yes. <laughs> and the whole was just, well, this fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I, I told you about the walrus and me, man. What? <laughs> you know that we're as close as can be, man. Who are you talking about? <laughs> now, here's another clue for you all. Oh, yeah. Finally, okay. some explanation. The walrus was Paul. Well, this just raises further questions. <laughs> I told you about the fool on the hill. Fucking did you? <laughs> I tell you, man, he living there still. Who? <laughs> anyway, um, we could do this. <laughs> Number nine for hours. <laughs> Number nine. I wonder. Wait, does that? This mean... is why I think we need to do an episode when that movie comes out. We need to go and see it in the cinema. Yeah, okay. And we need to record our thoughts. Um, what year is that movie? Is is that movie set twenty nineteen? Present day, yes. Present day, yeah. So Revolver is now released in twenty nineteen. I mean, theoretically, right. I don't know if he'll be able to because he's he remembers all the Beatles songs. Yeah. And then his girlfriend's like, you keep singing about these other women. Who is Jude? Are you referring to Jow Day? Sneaky pigs. We are like the dreamer who dreams. 
and then lives inside the dream. And then... <laughs> But also, surely, surely at some point he'll get up there and start playing. You know, you've got to hide your love away, and everyone will be like, "Isn't this just like three Oasis songs combined together?" <laughs> like, if music history hasn't been deleted, and there are bands that shamelessly aped the Beatles to further their career, and the other thing is, it's just one guy. It's just one guy. <laughs> How is he going to do the drum solo on the end? To be fair, it's a pretty fucking dreadful drum solo, and I say that as a drummer. Who's getting blisters on their fingers in any of this? It's all him. Is he going to perform Helter Skelter? Be like, did you write a song about the Manson Murders? Oh, there's an idea. Have the Manson murdered people come back to life now? Fuck. This is like so. This is actually, Sharon Tate is still alive in this world. So, so this is actually not dissimilar to the feelings I had while watching Teen Beach Two recently. <laughs> it was twenty years ago today. Sergeant Pepper told the band to play. It's like nineteen ninety nine. Who is this guy? Yeah, he's referring to Oasis. Oasis were around before nineteen ninety nine. I just wanted to make that joke. Uh. Um. Yeah. All right, we'll do it. Keep an eye out for an upcoming Eat My Shorts on I mean, yesterday. I Want to Hold Your Hand would not be a popular song if it came out today. No. Um, and then, what about all of John's very problematic songs? <laughs> like, um... Uh, uh, Everybody's uh, Got Something to Hide Except Me and My Monkey, which is apparently a song about Yoko. No, the, the, the really, really... Uh, Run For Your Life. Oh, yeah. Um... Which, for anyone that's not 100% <laughs> Wait, sure... Wait, you see the tax man? is like, that taxation system doesn't exist anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rather see a dead little girl than to be with another man. You better keep your head, little girl, I won't know where I am. You better run for your life if you can, little girl. Hide your head in the sand. Catch you with another man. That's the end. No, Little great, girl. Right? I mean, look, that's off Rubber Soul. Thankfully, not the no. canon album of Pods in the Key of Springfield. Yeah. But um, you couldn't sing that in 2019. People no. would be like, people would be like, you fucking what, mate? Shouldn't have sung it back then, bro. Oh yeah, shouldn't have sung it back then. But you also couldn't sing it in 2019. Yeah. Mm. So um, people would be me tooing and Feinsteining all over the place. Yeah, because it would be a shit. Wine, well, it is a shit wine, song. Wine, wine steining. Feinsteining. Who are we talking about? Harvey Weinstein. Fuck that guy. Weinstein. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. People would be me tooing and Weinsteining all over the place. I don't think those are the same thing. <laughs> no, I mean, I just meant in terms of like saying, saying that's not okay. Okay, well, I'm glad that we've dealt with my second note on this episode over Excellent. an hour in. Excellent <laughs> to the recording. Uh, now, of course, they're watching these home movies, and Marge says, I'm Marge, baby. How would you like it if in 20 years, people were laughing at things you did? Marge is doing babies now? And Bart rolls his eyes and says, not likely, baby, I'm Bart. Mm. Now, thoughts on this? I mean, in the present day, the irony is we are watching these old Simpsons movies and laughing, yeah, but, but the Simpsons yes. never fucking went away. Yeah, I also don't choose to take it in that way. I don't choose to take it as... 
what if someone is watching this particular instant 20 years from now? Will they be laughing? Uh, I choose to take it as if we carry on for 20 years into the future, will they be laughing? And of course the answer is no, because yeah. the modern episodes are not that great. And they couldn't, I mean, they could not have known. They'd be going for another 20 years, plus oh. another five on top of that, and then the two more that has been renewed for oh, <laughs> beyond Jesus. that. We have so much podcasting to do. Oh, by the way, uh, I don't think we've done a recording since this occurred, but we have now also been extended for a further two years. Yeah. <laughs> God oh. damn it. Actually, it's probably only one, given that we do two to one. I mean, we're just never going to be allowed to stop. We just have to keep going forever and ever. Can't stop, won't stop. You can't, you won't, you don't stop. We're addicted to the shindig. Ad Rock will be rocking, what, no, has it? For which one is rocking the short shot in that song? Yeah. Mike D. Youch. Mike D will be rocking the short shot. Okay. I want to say a little something that's long overdue that disrespecting women has got to be through to all the mothers and the sisters and the wives and the friends. I want to offer my love and respect to the end. Okay, so back to the episode of The Simpsons, which I believe is uh, Sweet Seymour's Getting's Badass Song. Did, and we've discussed a lot of songs, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, we have. Um, did you put that in to, uh, to re-wokeify the balance of the song that I played? <laughs> No, I just like yeah. that line. Um, uh, geode. Geode. Kaboom. I have a feeling that the only reason anyone our age or thereabouts knows what a geode is is through this episode, right? No one has, yeah. no one has knowledge of geodes independent of this episode. Same as potatoes, frankly. Yes, that's yeah, true. Because Marge tries to give them the potato. Yeah. It's what's, your favorite, what's your favorite uh, variety of potato? I like a kestrel. You like a kestrel? Yeah. yeah interesting. Oh. Interesting. I also like, you know, the common or garden sweet. Oh, yes, the sweet. Oh, the sweet yeah, potato. Yeah, the sweet. That's, that's a sweet potato. Yes. I um, you did a, a technique of roasting sweet potatoes the other day where before you roast them, you put them in water that's about 77 degrees for about an hour. and it 77 makes, degrees. I know. It makes them uh, 88 <clears throat> degrees. Um, it makes them very. It makes them extremely sweet. It activates an enzyme in them. <clears throat> frankly, oh, frankly, it almost makes them too fucking sweet. Too fucking sweet. Yeah. TFS. Yes. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's a little something that people can learn from this podcast. How to potato yeah. a, uh, their meal up. And how to potato their meal up. That's how to the potato their meal up. And if you think that holding it at 77 degrees per hour is too hard, don't worry. Just pour a couple of kettlefuls of boiling water into a pan and put I'll the lid on. i go back to teaching English in three days. I mean, I'm very rusty, obviously. <sighs> how to potato your meal up. Um, I'm just going to get a drink of water. With me, the potato fuck. The potato fuck. My surname is O'Connor, so, you know, if I did... if I did, It's still bad. I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Nick has gone to get some water, I believe. Let's see I if I have any notes that are I worth... I said I'm going to get some water. <laughs> yeah, but you know, do I have any notes that are worth burning through here? One question that I have coming off of this episode, Bart is bringing his dog to show and tell, and it seems as though he really cares about the outcome of this show and tell. He wants to impress people. He wants to have a good show and tell. And I'm wondering why this matters to Bart at all. Someone who is, you know, an underachiever and frankly proud of it, in my opinion. But it's- also... He's in year four. He's 10 years old. Do you even do show and tell at that age? I think what we've seen from the previous episode is that we know that Bard is a very materialistic person. Yeah. Um, he falls head over heels with the possessions. I think his only interest in show and tell is to say to the other kids, hey, look at all the cool shit what I got. Yeah, I got this dog. Look at all my shit. I got shorts in every shorts color. Shorts in every color, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> fuck. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> Harmony Corinne, if you're listening, yes, that was a reference to you. It doesn't make any sense that he wants to achieve other than he wants to show off his stuff. Curiously, though, he has no stuff. He just has a dog. Um, I think year four is like, that's around show and tell time, isn't it? Or is it? I, you, you... I thought it was an earlier sort of thing. I thought yeah. it was like, I don't know. Aren't you learning like actual stuff by then? You know, yeah, you need I to bring so. in like your, your can of tomato paste. I remember, um, oh, I've got a note about that. I remember that in show and tell we had to um, ban show bags at one point because really? there was like a two week run of people just bringing in show bags that they'd got at the show and talking about <laughs> what was in them. Oh, that's pointless. Um, how does Muncie know the purpose that sodium benzoate has? Well, is that to retard spoilage, I believe, is the phrase you use? It is the phrase he uses, but that would not have been on the ingredients list. How does, how, how does he know what it is and what it's there for? Well, it's implied that he's bringing this can of paste every week. I guess he just really knows it inside out at this point. I suppose so. He's really, he's living that paste life. Living that paste living life. Living that paste life. Like a little Ralphie boy. Who saw Snagglepuss going to the bathroom outside? Which one's Snagglepuss? I just assumed you'd be on top of this. You seem like the guy, the go-to guy on this podcast for cartoon cats. <laughs> I think Snagglepuss is the is pink the... is the pink panther-looking one, but yeah, from Top he's Cat? like the big white one, isn't he? But is it from Top Cat? Oh, hey, hey, it's me, Snagglepuss. Uh, that one. So it's the ah, uh, yeah, he's pink. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. The uh, Snagglepuss is a Hanna-Barbera cartoon character created in 1959. A pink anthropomorphic cougar sporting an upturned collar, shirt cuffs, and a string tie, who has a great desire to be a stage actor. Oh, oh, he's the one. Oh, okay, cool. So, uh, his two known catchphrases: "Heavens to Murgatroyd." Yep, yep. And "Exit Stage Left." Don't like that one as much. Oh. Heavens to Murgatroyd, though. That's good. That's funny. That's where, that's where real comedy comes from. I want to know. Murgatroyd has a link. So it's an English surname. Its etymology, according to one source, is as follows. In 1371, a constable was appointed in the district of Wally in Yorkshire. His, he adopted the name of Johannes de Murgatroyd, or literally, Johannes of Moorgate Royd, or the district leading to Moor. This is fucking... What a dense history of a surname. Okay, well... There were two more paragraphs that I didn't read, just look, so you're all aware. of you out there with your positive Kia Springfield bingo cards, if you had discussed the etymology of the word Murgatroyd, you can tick that off. Can I also point out something fun? The Snagglepuss article was last edited 21 days ago by Kajel Nude. <laughs> uh, that is fun. What a fun thing. Uh, so, the dog gets in the vents. That's the, dog the, in the exciting vent. incident in this, is that a dog gets into the vents. Cat in the furnace. Cat in the furnace, yes. And uh, we get an Alien parody, a parody of the movie Alien, which makes me happy because it means that maybe one day I can make you watch the movie Alien. Oh, okay. Because I really like the movie Alien. Have sure. you seen the movie Alien? Is that the one with the chestburster? Yes. No. Okay, it was directed by Ridley Scott in 1979, I want to say. Right. Ridley, it has, Ridley Scott. Yeah. Ridley's Believe It or Not, Ridley Scott. He made a movie called Alien, and it's good. That sounded like you would do movie director bingo. <laughs> Instead of, like, you know, Legs 11, Two Fat Ladies 88, <laughs> you're like, Believe It or Not, director Ridley Scott. <laughs> The other night, I was sitting in the uh, the the fringe club, the artist section. Sure. And these uh, two women were going around trying to get people to come into their bingo game that they're yes. having inside. And they walked up and said, "Hey, you want to? We've got bingo happening inside in ten minutes. You know, come in." 
And I looked at one and they said, is there like some sort of like twist on this or is it just bingo? Is there like something interesting happening sure. on top of that? And she said, well, we're hosting it so you know it's fucked. And then she walked away. I yelled after her. I gained no information from that. What? <laughs> no, that, that's not useful. I don't know who you are. This is not useful. What? That's really strange. Yeah. I wonder who it was. I don't know. Who's doing Fringo? Fringo. Fringe bingo. Yeah, Fringo. My favorite uh, CGI lizard. <laughs> Fringo, the drummer from the For Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Used to play with For John and For Paul. Yeah, it was, I mean, we've got Rango by Gore uh, Vabinsky. This is by uh, Four Gabinsky. <laughs> the I'm... other Four Gabinskys <laughs> got I... together to make Fringo. <laughs> About a bingo playing lizard. Fuck. I'm sure that someone has done this joke before, but if not, I'd like someone to like... <laughs> if it's about Fringo, I bet they haven't. <laughs> no, it's going to be Ringo Unchained. <laughs> Ringo Unchained. <laughs> Just Ringo looking sad while being led around by foot shackles before eventually overthrowing his captor. I mean, that's a little charged. I know. <laughs> that's a bit spicy. But I wouldn't put it past Tarantino to make it anyway. <laughs> Ah, uh, fucking, where was I up to? When they're in the vents, yes, and Skinner's looking at the map with the two <clears throat> beeping dots closing, closing in on each other, yep. when did they install the tracking devices? Right after seeing the movie Alien. Oh. Yes. All right, well, I, with, I, I was going to say I withdraw my question, but I don't need to, because it's been answered expertly by my friend James. That's Baby. You. That's you. Yes, That's I'm you. James. That's I'm you. James, by the way. It's you. You're Nick. Yeah, which one's Bart? <laughs> He's a little boy. <laughs> He gets up to mischief in this one. <laughs> I see. So eventually this leads to Skinner, of course, being fired because a dog is running around the vents and things are going awry. And uh, Principal uh, Superintendent Chalmers comes in and he says, Skinner, you're fired. I'm Chalmers. Oh, wait. I've got one more thing. Be- I've got one thing slightly before that. Okay. So when they first come out, when they punch the vent out and they're at the top of the gym in the vent. Yes. Um... Willie says that it's more dizzying than the Belfry at St. Corger Gloon Wagines. Okay, yes. I've looked it up. That does not appear to be a church, <laughs> chapel, or steeple. I thought that it could well, be. I thought it might be a reference. This is in the pre-Wikipedia days. But when I searched Corger Gloon Wagines... Which I'm sure you spelled correctly. The spelling came from Frinkiak. Okay. The only references were circling back to Simpsons quotes. I couldn't, couldn't find anything to do maybe with the Maybe you got place. burned down by an irate Scotsman. I mean, maybe. It's a possibility. Maybe, maybe got some an... sort of colossus figure. Oh, Jesus. I mean, you know, you got to hide the evidence. But, it, it, I mean, typically, though, when things get burned down, we don't lose all trace of the knowledge of the thing. That's true. Hmm. Unless the Hall of Records also burns down. Hall of Records? Yeah. Wow. These days known as Wikipedia. Was there a thing like Harry Potter and the Hall of Records and it was just him doing a lot of filing during summer when the when the school was That was the running? first four books. First four books. Yeah. I've not read any of the books. No. No. I've read all of them. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. The director of uh, Prisoner of Azkaban just won his second best directing Oscar. Second? Yeah. Should I talk about the Oscars? No, I shouldn't, should I? Because no. I've I got a lot of thoughts and feelings about the Oscars. Let's not talk about the I can Oscars. see you getting angry at the mere idea of me talking about... I love. I haven't f- even seen Green Book, but fuck it. I love it. that six minutes ago I left the mic and you were like, oh, what can I burn through when Nick's not here? <laughs> and now I sit down and you're like, do you want to talk about film? No. I just think Roma should have won. Oh. Ah? Uh? Wait. What? I missed the opportunity to talk about the thing. No, I haven't. My, it's my last note. Okay, we're still getting there. Now, when Skinner 
is fired and he says, I'm sorry, did you just call me a liar? I'm Skinner. I mean, fired to a liar is a bit of a jump. Yeah. We already know that he's hearing bees as ours when he has a cold and now he's yeah. hearing fired as a liar. And to be fair, he did serve in a war zone. He did. So maybe his hearing is actually just fucking terrible. You think Vietnam really messed with his ears? I think it might have his messed with his ears. ears. His little ears. His little skinny ears. Little skinny ears. Little skinny ears. I mean, probably. I mean, that's just a theory. So Skin Dog gets the can, and Flanders <laughs> somehow just walks right into the job of principal. Waltzes in. I mean, that's not usually how it works. Usually you promote either from within the school, or you get a principal from somewhere else. An external hire from a non-teacher to the role of principal is very uncommon. Did they say that it's because, or is this a different episode where they say it's because he's like president of the PTA or something? They mention it, yeah. He's yeah. A, well, that Yeah, bonkers. what's your name, Yanch? My name is PTA and I still do what I please. Anytime I hear a three-letter acronym ending with an A, I think of the Beastie Boys. I th- who I've already brought up once so far in this episode. I see. Uh, must make watching American basketball very confusing for you. <laughs> yeah, um, my name is NBA, and I still do what I please. And now I gotta pass the mic to you. Ow. Yeah, anyway. Oh. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, surely all the other teachers at the school are staring at Ned going, well, the fuck? Yeah, we don't really get much perspective from the other teachers. We don't no. know how Krabappel's feeling, or uh, what's her face, the other one. The only other teacher that we really get to know. Hoover. Hoover. Largo. Hoover Dam. Uh, yeah, we don't really we don't get much insight into the inner politics. Bart says they're scared to leave the teachers' lounge, but we're just going on Bart's way. I mean, here. isn't everyone scared to leave the teachers' lounge? I'm scared to go into the teachers' lounge. I work as a teacher, and I almost never go into the staff room. Interesting. Every time I'm in there, I feel like an imposter. I don't feel like I belong. I don't want to be friends with these people. I mean, they're fine actually. I like most of my colleagues, but still, they're fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So who's running the leftorium now? Oh, that's a good question. Has he got Mord installed there? Um, I suppose so. Huh, I hadn't even considered the leftorium, believe it or not. How how up for a weird tangent are you at this point in the recording? Yeah, sure. Because one of my notes here is, uh, let's brainstorm what building the Clonosaurus would be about. Oh, God. <laughs> no, let's not. You don't want to do that? I do. Um... You don't want to try to come up with some sort of plot about Billy and the Clonosaurus? Who is Billy to begin with? What is, um, what is his well, obviously it's Billy, motivating factor? Obviously it's Billy Connolly. <laughs> Get the fuck... I've lost the voice. <laughs> Get the fuck... No, no. Look at this fucking bridge. No, I don't have it. Hey, that... There, there we go. That Clonosaurus. Tell that Clonosaurus to get to fuck, by the way. <laughs> Up with that, I will not put. Okay, so we got Billy Connolly. <laughs> we got Billy. Big Yen. And he's cloning... So is he cloning like a specific breed of dinosaur? Do you think? Uh, what, what? Hang on, let me have a quick think about the most fun dinosaur breed to say. It's in, a Diplosaurus. In... <laughs> have you seen my Diplodocus anywhere? I've lost the fucking thing. Um, uh, Triceratops, uh, Pterodactyl. Um, a fence breaks. Oh fuck off already! <laughs> Uh, I spent all spent all morning putting that fence up. Stomped all over it. The fucking duff. Fuck. He's just right. Most of the movies is him riding around the park on a motorbike, just stopping to examine hills and bridges occasionally, and laughing for like commentary as the park is ripped to shreds by a uh, 
<laughs> by just damn baiting dinosaurs. Uh, oh, no, hang on. That's not what I want. I, sorry, I'll be, I'll, I'm just looking for a list of types of dinosaurs just so I can <laughs> run through them all in an accent, basically. <laughs> Good, okay. That's what this is now. <laughs> That's what this podcast is always Plus building up to. <laughs> what it was building up to. Um, I don't think I'm on... While you're looking for this list of dinosaurs, another question I would like to raise. Oh, I hate when you do this. So I just said... Just this is more of a anachronism that bothered me. Okay. So Skinner has no money now that he's lost his job. He you know can't afford to buy new underpants. He's very poor. But Skinner lives with his mum. Yep. Uh, you know, is he paying rent? Is he paying bills? Like, what's his living situation like? How does he have no savings? Surely that house would be owned outright by now. Yeah. It, and also something I found strange about again the um the the different way in which you absorb this when watching it with a pen and paper in his hand. Mm. Uh, so Jimbo, I think, comes along and steals steals the underpants. Yeah. But what? Did, how did that scene start? We saw Skinner trying to figure out which detergent he was going to buy. Mm. Do you really want to steal unwashed underpants? Ooh. That is pre-washed underpant. It's a good, yeah. I wouldn't be rummaging around in someone's basket for pre-washed underpants. Give me them knickers. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, he snatched me knickers. <laughs> That's the UK version, uh, the Samwits. Samwits? Samwits? Yeah. I'm just trying to think. I went in on my show, I say Samsons. I'm like, no, that's too close. Okay, you got to change the suffix as well as the prefix. Okay, Samwits. Uh, it ran for a record eight episodes. It is It is astonishingly hard to find like a simple to follow list of dinosaurs <laughs> that doesn't feature lots of shit that I've never heard of. I feel like the internet used to be better. I feel like it was easier to find stuff like this. Archaeopteryx. Astrosaurus. Avivimus. That's a t- tricky one. <laughs> that's a tricky one to see. You gonna go through all of them? Uh, Allosaur. Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. Hey. I think I think I'll go on Triceratops. So we've got Billy, Billy Connolly cloning the Triceratops, and they call it the Clonosaurus. Wait, you took so long to find that list, and you settled on Triceratops. It's because it's, I, I was never trying to find the most obscure. I just wanted to find the most the fun, one that was the most fun to say in the accent. Okay, Triceratops. It's pretty uh, good. <laughs> my Billy's getting very weak. Uh, there was that whole thing the other day where everyone thought he was dying and he had to put that video out. Have we talked about that on the podcast already? I don't think we have. I think we talked about it at the cricket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. Just him happily plucking away <laughs> on a banjo going, Sorry. I'll never fucking die. I'm, I'm not dying. I may have chosen my words poorly and I apologise. That's the banjo. I really like it when Bart visits old Which mate's... Bart? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's four times. You've broken the rule of threes. Vast. <laughs> oh, what the listeners missed there is we both did the hands and the eyes. Oh, don't do the eyes. Now, when, uh, when little birdie boy, he's the little boy, he visits... <laughs> Visit Skinner at his house. Yeah. I really like when they're hanging in Skinner's room and you hear his mum shout from downstairs, Seymour, do you want me to tell you when it's 7.30? That is the most mum line of dialogue ever written, I think. That is a very mum 
Yeah, that, that is very just mum. an unexplained like have somehow gone it into her head that you want to know something specific <laughs> that does not matter to you that you can find independently. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very very good. Yeah, that is just such a weird specific. Like, yeah, that's what parents do. Speaking of mums, yes. You know how Flanders says that he uh, he's not harsh on the kids, but that's because of how he was raised, whereas dad was so harsh on him. Yes. His, Ned's dad, my favourite character in the history of television. Yeah. And we get the flashback to like, uh, what does he say? Oh, he's a total cube. He's <laughs> taking us on a one-way he's train. He's ink all over my poems. Taking us on a one-way train to squares. He's taking us on a one-way train to squares. Billy's fucked. We're all fucked at this point. We find out in that scene... That Ned's mother's name is Mona. Yeah. Homer's mother's name is Mona. There's an art gallery in Tasmania called Mona. There is. I, 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 I actually don't have anywhere to go with that theory. I just, I never are you, noticed. Are you implying that Ned and Homer are brothers? I might be implying that Ned and Homer are brothers. Okay, is this like something we need to add to Theory Watch? Maybe. Homer, Ned, Christ. Brother Watch? uh, Yeah, it might be. Um, Because I had never... uh, Wouldn't that be a tremendous irony if after all the stuff with Herb, long-lost brother, collapse of a successful empire, Homer finds out that his real brother was actually living next door all along? I mean, that would be a nice little capstone on the show, probably. And And when Mona found out that Homer and Flanders lived next to each other, that's why she can never return. Because she doesn't want... To be caught up in a Brady Bunch style situation where Peter is exposed as dating two girls on the same night. Is this why they named their daughter Lisa? Mona Lisa? Fuck. 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 What's the Mona Lisa? (laughs) It's a little boy. (laughs) It's a painting of a little boy. It's a painting by a little boy. Uh, this episode gives us our first uh, our first appearance of Gerald, the one eyebrowed baby, maybe the least developed character in the entire show. Yeah, talk about being a baby that just keeps coming back, one eyebrowed and like, one dimensional. Yeah, w- yeah, a one eyebrowed, one dimensional Gerald, little baby, little little baby, little baby boy. Yeah. Isn't it weird that we get two episodes in a row of? Men who are like inappropriately old for the friendship, developing a close friendship with Bart. Yeah, that is interesting. Yes. Yes. That's a weird thing. Like my note here says, why would anyone want to be friends with a ten year old? That's a really good question. Yeah. Like I mean like, what is he gonna have to gain from this friendship? I mean, Bart obviously feels guilty. Anyone below the age of twenty three is a struggle at this point. Yeah. <laughs> this episode there's a lot I really like about this episode, but there's also a lot of like weird underdeveloped stuff in here. Mm. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, ah, uh, I mean, this friendship doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm not mm. entirely clear on, like, you know, obviously Bud is motivated by guilt, but that guilt never really, like, manifests in any interesting way. He just, like, sincerely becomes Skinner's friend. Mm. And then Skinner joins the army, and that's, you know, that's okay. I don't know, that could be, there could be more there. Yeah, it's interesting that they tried to cram in so much that they just ended up having to skip from bit to bit to bit. Yeah. But something that I absolutely do not want us to skip over, this is where we see uh, Martin and his Raisin Roundies. His raisin roundies. The little biscuity things that he's made. Yes. Should we do an Eat My Shorts where I try to make some things that I'll call raisin roundies? Well, what time is it now? 3.30. I could do with something sweet. Let's go around the coals. And... Alright, well I wasn't going to say that I could make it today, <laughs> but I, I appreciate your search for a segue to end the show. No, you just keep pitching all these delicious food item episodes. That is true. 
there's another weird thing in this episode. Okay. Flanders, of course, gets fired because he says a prayer, prayer in public school. Uh, Chalmers comes down very hard on organized religion, which is interesting and nice. But anyway, Flanders gets fired, which, of course, immediately leads to Skin Dog's return. Another example of The Simpsons not quite understanding how jobs work. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just like in Homer and Apu, when James Woods just mm. gets Apu his job back. Yeah. This is not how it works. Yeah, typically... If somebody leaves their job, the previous person doesn't just get the job. <laughs> no. The person who was fired. Um, it is quite bonkers that uh, that they constantly get this wrong. Because, yeah, you can't just go back to your previous job. That's insane. Yeah. You can't go home again, as that author said. Sure. Which author was it? Um, nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. Homesickness. <laughs> Fuck. So that's the 100th episode of The Simpsons, which means that we have a mere 550-odd left, oh, plus whatever others they put out, so we're, we're sitting pretty good. We're, uh, we're maybe a sixth of the way through. Yep. Actually, was it 650 they've hit? Yeah, they've hit 650, so we're less than a sixth of the way through the show. Cool. That, that yeah. doesn't make me feel... I'm sure it'll remain equally good the whole way through. <laughs> Absolutely. Um... Uh, one thing I had always wondered, so I looked it up today. This is going to be the last thing I say. Uh, Whatever but, again. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I'm going to rip out my throat. Um, new, the the song that Martin sings when he's hanging in the cage yep. is the Toreador's song from Carmen. Which is also in the... Which I didn't realise. Sorry, that's louder than I was expecting. I didn't realise that that was this song. Which also pops up in the second episode, Bart the Genius. Mem saying Bart, Rabbi has memo, where they're singing the opera, and Bart starts singing, uh, Don't spit on the floor, use the cuspidor, that's what it's for. I'm Bart. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's, that's the bit that... Oh, yeah. Toreador on garden. Yes. That's probably how that goes. I looked up the words. I think it means bullfighter. Get ready! It means it was 20 years ago today. <laughs> Such a pepper told the band to play. We're the Beatles and we're here to say, Hey Jude, uh, <laughs> um, Eleanor Rigby, and uh, no, I got nothing. Okay, this has been Pods in the Kiev Springfield, a podcast nominally about The Simpsons. I've been James, you've been Nick. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. You can find us easily enough. Our email address is podsinthekeyofspringfield at gmail.com. Hey, why not write something to us? Maybe we'll read it out in the podcast. Who can hey. say? What are you so afraid of? Just doing already. We're on the A Lot of Green Network. Uh, there was something else I meant to mention. I forgot what it was. Um, oh, leave a review on iTunes. As long as it's five stars or four. You know, one of the two. Yeah. What are you, what are you waiting for? Huh? Can't got your tongue? Yeah? Well. <laughs> or if, like, whatever podcasting thing you use has a rating system, leave the rating on there. I think iTunes is the only one that really matters, but yeah, still. Yeah, but it can't hurt. I mean, I don't use iTunes anymore. I use Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast, yeah. And you also use Pocket Cast, don't you? I do. Pocket Cast, if you'd like to sponsor us in some sort of official capacity, then... Uh... My Pocket Cast listening queue currently has... Uh, my Up Next queue currently has 61 hours of podcast in it. 61 hours. Frankly, it seems like too much. I only downloaded Pocket Cast in, like, October... And I was checking my stats the other day, and it said that I'd listened to, oh, 14 days worth of podcasts. Oh, wow. And that's too much. Where are, where are the stats? Uh, just on my profile page. Oh. Huh. It says, 14 days listened. 
Uh, I'm not sure where it is on your thing. I oh. clicked on profile down the bottom there. Oh, I don't think I have a profile in the in the Android app. Maybe yours isn't as up to date. Maybe mine's not as up to date. Okay, we need to finish this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I've been James. You've been Nick. Woozer. Wazzle. Then grease me up, woman! Bye. <laughs> Lunch Lady Doris, have you got any grease? Aye. <laughs> then grease me up, woman. Aye. Uh, since the 18th of February 2018, I've listened to 65 days and 17 hours. Fuck. I don't know what that means. I time, mean, like, mine's 14 days, but I have fallen asleep listening. Time, sa- time saved by skipping 20 hours and 45 minutes. Oh, how's this for a start? Can we, can we please stop this recording? <laughs> 65 days and 17 hours, during which time you could have tied 567,828 shoelaces. Maybe. Jesus. Grease me up, woman. <laughs> Fuck. Look at that bridge. <laughs> In I've got my headphones. I've put the thing on the right setting. I've plugged my headphones in. I did see Dave Kellen the other night. We're off to a cracking start. I got drawn into some audience participation. At Dave Callan's show? Yeah. Shit, what was the participation? Uh, at one point they were recreating a scene from uh, The Karate the Kid. That he's doing with... Um, uh, is this the... Is, it's called uh, A Little More Action. Is that... Not Rove involved in that, is it? Rove is not involved, right. as far as I can tell. I'm not sure why. It's mostly Rove's Dev Kellen doing a bunch of uh, ninja stuff. Sick. He and does. Are, he does study ninjutsu. And they are recreating a scene from the Karate Kid, and I was in the front row. And at a prime moment, he pointed at me, and I had to yell out, "Put him in a body bag, Danny!" And then everyone cheered. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah. Is that a um, question? Is that a thing that happens in the Karate Kid film, or is that just a? I can only assume so. I've <laughs> <laughs> not seen the Karate Kid. I see. You have a reasonably high percentage of getting picked for audience participation. It in, happened to me twice last night. In things. I well, saw, kind of. I saw a video of the first. I've got to put my phone on silent. Yeah, I, I want to tell you about the first. I was waiting till we were recording till I could tell you about it. Because oh. last night I went to this show called Two Little Dickheads, which was not about us. Oh, <laughs> you got there before I could. Because I was about to say, we're not doing a live show during the Adelaide Fringe. No. Even though, you know, you know there was that Songs in the Key of Springfield live show during the Fringe? Yeah. The Adelaide Fringe, which is, by the way, the biggest arts festival in the Southern Hemisphere. Yes. Uh, yeah, I saw someone is the it other night. Is than Edinburgh? I think, maybe. Okay. But I saw someone the other night, and they said, hey, so, is that you guys doing that show? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> No, you know, we named our podcast after that album. Yeah, there was a a, um, a guy doing. Uh, he's for an acoustic guy from Melbourne doing acoustic versions of the songs. Yeah, um, uh, I might try and get him on an episode in the future of Pods in the Key of Springfield. Oh, Springfield, but anyway, and I we will to... sue him <laughs> for taking our name. R.I.P. R.I.P. Freely. Uh, so I went to see two little dickheads. And towards the start... But James, we're not doing a show... Oh, we've done that bit. Oh, yeah, we've done, we've done the bit, Nick. Oh, fuck. Well, they were... Look, at the start, there's a bit of like, you know, they're looking around sorry, pointing just, at people. Yes. Sorry, just before we get too stuck in, can you hear mad subwoofer rumbling from next door? Yes. Yeah, I don't think the mic's picking it up, but I thought I should flag it just in case someone could hear That's a right, very deep rumble. mention it on there. 
So right at the start, they're pointing at people and, you know, making little comments. And they point right at me and like, is that the actor Stephen Curry from the castle? Fucking and they're, what? They're pointing at me. They keep saying that, you know, pretending that I'm Stephen Curry. Sure. <clears throat> and one of them comes up to me and says, excuse me, are you Stephen Curry? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, there's like a few different ways I could take this. Option one, play along completely. Yes. Option two, the one I went with, where I responded, well, I'm a Stephen Curry and I am an actor, but I'm not the one who's in the castle, (laughs) which I thought would be fun. And then option three, the one that I really genuinely considered doing and then immediately had to jettison because I knew that only I would find it funny and maybe you if I told you about it. (laughs) I considered saying, I am in the castle, but I'm not Stephen Curry. I'm actually Eric Banner, (laughs) director and star of Love the Beast. I very seriously considered going on a Love the Beast tangent, which I guess would have ruined their show, probably. (laughs) I mean, look, Love the Beast is not capable of ruin. (laughs) Love the Beast is only capable of betterment. And then later on, um, they uh, they had me play a meteorite in the show. But in this specific show, yes, I imagine it probably would have ruined it. Um, Yes, I I saw the video footage of you uh, being a meteorite. Yep. Some might say that you did it meteor wrong, but I say, get this, James, I say you did it... Meteor well. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, they handed me a disco ball and said, Dance, you are the meteor now. And it was, or maybe it was an asteroid. Who cares? Right, okay. Are you going to be knitting the entire time we're recording, by the way? Because I'm into that. I think it's a gimmick. <laughs> I mean, it's going to mean that you're making less clacking noises with your hands than usual. So I'm into it. <laughs> Isn't it fucking great that me <laughs> knitting means that I'll be more silent than the normal fucking fidget I do? Um, if, if it's not too distracting, then I might keep doing it. Sure, why not? Um, I might also get... I mean, usually you just pull out a fucking jack in the box and just start cranking it. Knit goes the podcast. What? Um, tonight, are we ready to segue into the episode? Episode! Thank you. We don't start the podcast by saying tonight. Tonight, 56. Sorry. It's also two in the afternoon. 